Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So welcome, everyone. I am really, really excited today because uh, we, we're stepping outside of what I would say has been kind of our typical guest um, not in the sense of accomplishment, because as you know, we've had some really well-accomplished uh, guests on this show, and today is no exception, and probably is one of, hands down, one of the most uh, recognized and and uh, applauded uh, authors that I've had on this show. And so I'm going to introduce you today to someone who is a professor of humanities in our Department of African American and African Diaspora Studies at Columbia University. Uh, she's written a number of books, and and I can't even spend the whole 30 minutes telling you about all of the prizes she's won for her writing, including um, a national National Book Critics Circle Fiction Prize, um, a Greywood, and and has a book that's coming up, uh, a essay collection uh, for Greywood, uh, Grey Wolf Press, and it just goes on and on. So I'm pleased to introduce you uh, to Edwige Dendika. Welcome, Edwige. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, so glad to have you. And I, 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 I have to tell you, I've just been really. I was stricken by your 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 background in terms of your your history, and so I'd love for you to just tell. I've I've read a little bit, but I'd I'd love to know. I know you are uh, native Haitian, uh, Haitian born, and um and 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 immigrated to the United States from an early age. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, and as a as an author. I know from reading um, a number of your your pieces that you you lean heavily on your experiences um, in in uh, growing up and your experiences also um, in in as an immigrant to the United States. So uh, please tell me a little bit more about your your process and and how you've how you've become such a acclaimed writer um, uh, using this as a, a source of your of inspiration. Well, um, once again, thank you so much for having me. Um, so as for my background, I was born in Haiti um, in 1969. Uh, my parents uh, emigrated to the U.S. My dad when I was two, my mother when I was four, and I um, joined them when I was 12. So mm -hmm. I stepped foot in Brooklyn, New York when I was 12 years old in 1981. Um, and it was a very interesting time in New York because people were just in the United States starting to talk about AIDS, what they called GRID then. And um, Haitians, you know, I'm Haitian born, we were the only people who were identified by nationality in that grouping. So if you can imagine, that made it very hard to go to school. Kids would call us names. And um, and so I started really writing in that period as a kind of, as a way to, to process all that. I was a big reader. I was really shy. Um, and there was nothing that like 
was more of a, a salvation to me <laughs> at that time uh, to both my mind and spirit than reading. So I started reading a lot. And then um, from junior high school and at Jackie Robinson Intermediate School in Brooklyn, I went to Clara Barton High School and from there went to Barnard College. So actually being back on campus as a professor, I was first year on the, here on the Columbia campus as a student in the class of 1990. Yeah, yeah. And and I I saw where um you so you you have a um undergraduate degree in French literature, um but you went and got your masters in fine arts and creative writing. Um I you know I heard a little bit about your course and I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that um the design of your course uh entitled writing in the presence of ancestors. And I, it really, I, I'll tell you a little bit why, but I, I had been writing myself almost a, um, an autobiography, if you will, but it wasn't, it was what it was, it was intended to tell a story, but there was so much context that I had to put in that, um, I felt like I had to rely on stories that I had been told. And so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about this, this, this course writing in the presence of ancestors. Well, yeah, when I um, was knew that I was coming back here to Columbia and, and African-American and African diaspora studies, I knew that I wanted to sort of launch my time here with a course that was meaningful to me and that would be meaningful to the students it would be my first one and as you mentioned I have a, an MFA um, from Brown University and really I, I got my MFA that was my the process to my writing my book you know my thesis um, for my MFA was my first novel Breath Eyes Memory ah. so um, I've always felt you know much like you that I was Whenever I was writing, I was writing in the presence of ancestors. I mean, I, you know, the expression of standing on on people's shoulders, and in part because I was a big reader, and I was a big reader because I was told stories when I was growing up by by the elders in my family, and I felt like I was walking in the lineage of these amazing writers who were, you know, Haitian um, novelists like Marie Vieux-Chauvet and Jacques Romain, who had a book translated by Langston News and Mercer Cook. And um, and Toni Morrison and all these writers that and Tazaki Shange, who was a student here at Barnard, Zora Neale Hurston, who was a student here at Barnard, Langston Hughes, who had <laughs> come to Columbia for a yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so I felt like I not just in that lineage, which is sort of like a fancy lineage, but also in the lineage of the uh, oral storytellers of my childhood. You know, these folks who guided me, um, and so I wanted to, I wanted to like. Uh, acknowledged that, that I was writing in their light mm -hmm. and I wanted to frame a course around it so what we did in the course was um, pair um, classic works with younger scholars who had written about them so for example for um, Eddie Glaude we read with James Baldwin um, Imani Perry her book Looking for Lorraine we were in with Lauren Hansberry and there's, you know, a book called Triangular Road by Paul Marshall that she wrote about her time spent traveling um, around Europe with um, Langston Hughes. So those pairings um, and also 
it was an opportunity for students to realize that you can also, you know, you can also reflect, you can also sort of pair yourself up with writers, yes. even if they're passed on, because um, I've always told my students that all the mentors you need as writers are in the library, right? And I used to, when I was younger, you know, I had more time, used to make these little summer courses for me, for myself, where I would read the work of one writer um, chronologically. Mm. And I felt like that was such a big lesson for me because you can see a writer grow just like as I was trying to grow. So I really wanted to shape that course in light of, of, of that, those experiences mm. that I've had and try to reproduce for my students uh, within one semester that that experience a similar experience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and you mentioned uh your first book uh breath eyes memory that was actually a part of the oprah book club uh selection um mm -hmm. and and then um the other book that you have uh if i'm pronouncing it right uh crick croc um, yes, is, was mm -hmm. a yeah, was a a national book award finalist, a, a tremendous uh, honor uh, to to be there. I you know you've talked about kind of the opportunities, and I think about something that um, uh, Dr. Maya Angelou said, and it has since I heard it, it has really resonated with me. Where she talked about not going into a room alone. You know, mm -hmm. she talked about because I take everyone with me, you know, all all of the ancestors. And and it just really struck me that uh, of a of a way to think about um uh, being empowered, uh, particularly uh as a as a black writer, she was and you are, um, that that it can be it can be intimidating at times to um, to be surrounded by people who don't identify with the same structures that you've been, uh, in terms of how you've been raised in, in a lot of ways, um, to think how you think about your, your family and the importance of family, the importance of community. Um, and, and so, um, so I, there are two ways I want to, I want to ask you about this is that, about the challenges first, um, the challenges that you 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 see and you face. Um, so you are you've written um, brilliant short story connect collections and fiction. You had prizes in fiction. Um, what do you see uh, as that have been your biggest challenges to writing fiction and in the fiction space? Well, I mean, I I enjoy writing fiction so much. I mean, I think the the challenges of fiction is always idea gathering or idea formation, right? And then trusting that whatever seed of an idea that you have will be will sustain over like if it's a novel over several thousands, hundreds of thousands of words. Um, if it's a short story still there's an economy to short stories, but there has to be, it has to be even like a shinier gem, you know, kind of like, um, like poetry. So those challenges sometimes, you know, just, I, I, I'm the kind of writer that I really need focus. I need to feel like 
there's a stretch of like time ahead of me, but I'm a mom. I have two daughters, so I don't always have that luxury. So I've had to learn to write um, around the time that I that I have between mothering, you know, being a parent, being a, a spouse, being a, uh, an instructor now. So um, I think that's the that's the balance that a lot of people who create, but also um, are parenting or a working face and trying to carve that space for for your creativity. You know, another thing I always tell my students because people tend to postpone. They're like, I'll write when I retire or <laughs> or I'll write. And then when you find out, you find out that if you don't have that practice if you, of like squeezing the writing and, and the life you already have, yeah. it becomes very hard to suddenly start writing when you have like 24 hours. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, sometimes too much time is intimidating as well. Like I have many stories of friends who've been waiting years to go to a writer's retreat, you know, like a colony or someplace and they get there. They're like, oh my gosh, it's too much What do time. I do, right? <laughs> exactly. What do I do with all this time? Yeah, sure. So, um, so it's important. I, I tell students that all the time, even if you have like half hour into the life that you currently have, try to build that in because it builds that muscle. And, and it it's also, you know, people don't talk enough about, the discipline that art requires, right? So if you're a jazz musician, everybody knows you're practicing like for hours and hours, but for some reason they expect like, if you're a writer, like the muse to just strike you and, yeah, and yeah, sure. brilliance to come out. Sure, sure. And, and you know, related to what I, what I mentioned, um, I, I, you have 17 books to your credit and uh, others coming out. Um, so I haven't read all your books. Um, and I, I was just wondering, so your, your inspiration, I guess, is where I'm going with it by asking around your, your the, you know, the, the challenges to that, uh, is, has it, have you found it to be easier to write about the things that you, you know, well, cause sometimes that can be a distraction too. Um, but is it the things that you know, well, um, or are are you in using your just completely your imagination to get things done? Well, it's funny because we were um, today, you know, this semester I'm teaching uh, a class on the nonfiction of the writer and Tezaki Shange. Mm -hmm. And today that was the discussion in class um, because there's a, a moment where she's saying, I'm going off to study poetry because I don't want people to assume that I have sort of this natural talent, right? Um, and and some of her, this is in an early, uh, some early writings that in a book that's edited by Imani Parrott. So, um, and Toni Morrison also would have that discussion, you know, because the very cliched standard writing advice is write what you know. And then she said, you know, assume you don't know anything. <laughs> so I guess I fall somewhere in between. I. I definitely 100% draw on my personal experience, but I do a lot of research. Like wow. I do a lot of research and I ask a lot of questions. And I think, uh, you know, writers have, we have to do both. That's part of the craft, right? To, um, to you're inspired by something you know, by something you love, by something that haunts you, by something you can't forget. At the same time, the the process of delving into it requires research inquiry 
and sometimes travel to actually see places and experience them in a way that you can write about them um, authentically. Sure, sure. And and you, I, I've read a number of fiction pieces where uh, it just seems so real. And later on, I'll read about the author's process. And it involved a lot of research around it, because in some cases, it's easy to assume and easy to think that that's that sounded too real. That must have been the author's experience. And then sometimes you learn it wasn't their experience at all, but it was um, through their research. Uh, so so that's about the kind of the challenges. Um, what opportunities are there out there? I mean, given some of the 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 topics and the content of what you're writing and what you've written about, what are the opportunities in that kind of genre of of fiction do you see for others? Well, I mean, I think one of the wonderful things about fiction is that there's a, such a broad range of, there's so many ways that a novel can be. You can have what's called a story cycle, which is connected stories. Like you brought, novels can be epic, they can be long, they can be short. Um, so I think the opportunities are in the probably uh, the accessibility right now, right? Because I my my niece who writes, she writes um, science fiction. She started um, by writing like fan fiction on Wattpad, for example. Um, so that was the way she practiced it, her her craft. So I think there's. There's now one of the advantages is that there's, and again, this was coming up in class as well. Um, we were talking about this book called The Sisterhood, where with these writers, Toni Morrison and Tazaki, they gathered together and, and created a, a writing group where they exchanged their work. So there's more opportunities for that. I think since the pandemic, people have done that on Zoom. Um, people have you know done writer's workshop that way in a way that, they might not have considered in the past before the pandemic, right? So there's these opportunities to gather, to find fellowship with people across the country and the same medium that we're talking right now. Um, so I think that's a plus, that's a positive thing that we didn't have before. Uh, people have access to teachers and friends who can help them on this journey. That's like the sisterhood, right? Like that Toni Morrison and these writers had in each other. Um, the second thing is there, there's, there, a lot more there's online publications um, that folks can submit to and some of them are just as hard to get in as you know as print publications but others that are more lenient and sometimes now there are opportunities to pitch to agents or to reach out to agents online right mm -hmm. I think that I think there's a, a a somewhat of a bit more that whole process is a bit more democratic in terms of people can really make themselves be seen, like can can reach agents, can reach um, publishers differently um, if they publish in, you know, in journals online because a line is kind of like an open space. So I think these are the spaces of opportunity that maybe we may not have not in the past. Like someone can publish an article that 100,000 people read and, and then get called and said, oh, do you want to write a book? You know, and um, so that possibility of something going viral or at least semi-viral or or those ways of of reaching publishers 
did not exist in the past. Sure, sure. And it's interesting you bring that up because what I've talked with a number of my colleagues about is just that the whole idea, whether it's a short story or it could be an article um, that goes viral, um, that it's almost to the point where you some of these print um you know materials that and 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 outlets are are going extinct because you can make really big impact on in these relatively free spaces right you know like you can get a hundred thousand people familiar in a week with mm -hmm. your with your work in in practically no time um so it, it just as an aside that is just a really interesting point about how much the the space has changed over mm -hmm. just a relatively short time so i want to ask you um so 17 books which one is your favorite and why is that your favorite um i you know, sometimes I'm tempted to say that thing that parents say, we don't have a favorite. I don't have a favorite of my children, my <laughs> actual children. <laughs> they but, say you do. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that feeling. I know I, they each think the other one is. Um, and that's how it should be. Right. Yeah. My mom had four. It was harder. Um, but I there's one book, for, which is nonfiction. It's called Brother, I'm Dying. It's a a family memoir. Mm. For me, that's my favorite. Um, and and my favorite in the sense that I I it's a family story. Mm -hmm. It's something that I think future generations and my family can read mm -hmm. and find like their lineage in. Yeah. Um, because I I put in that book all the stories that my uncle who raised me when my dad was my parents were in New York. The stories he told me about the family or the stories my father told me and it so happens that they were both terminally like my dad was terminally ill mm -hmm. right as my uncle was getting um was dying in immigration custody mm. um in the u.s so they both died within months of one another mm. and within months of my oldest daughter mira being born mm. so i was um it's a book about being caught in the cycle of life and trying to make mm. sense of all these like two tragedies and a really wonderful thing at the same time yeah um being in the gap as they see in the yeah. church you sure, know? Sure, sure, sure. yeah yeah i and and that's in a lot of ways my struggle um, has been around how much of because this that's extremely personal obviously mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and so just for you as it was uh something that you wanted people in your family to read it's not going obviously not going to be limited to them and so the choice to make that those stories um public um, I'm sure are, are very difficult and you want to make sure that you tell them in a way that does the the original storyteller justice that the way it was given to you that you can you can do them a great service by by uh, repeating the story um, and so um, were there any of your of your pieces that you felt were particularly difficult to kind of birth in this, in your, in your process, the way you write? Um, 
I think, I mean, they all have, you know, every piece has its own level of difficulty. Mm-hmm. I find for me, the most difficult thing is always beginning. Mm. And um, once I have a line or like, I need that first, I need that first sentence. <laughs> um until then it's amorphous it's an idea it's something that could or could not be but once I'm grounded in that first sentence I'm like oh okay I know where it's going and I just follow that one to the next one to the next one so that's usually a challenge for me and and sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night like I'm thinking about like I want to write this but I'm not sure and then I'll wake up in the middle of the night with that one sentence and then I know it's it's done. Like, mm-hmm. I know that I'll just have to like find the middle and, mm-hmm. and, but, so, but that first sentence hints towards the end, that's usually process wise, the hardest thing for me. Once I have, once I have that beginning, I'm, I, I know I'm going to be okay. 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 So I, I have a number of students too, that have aspirations to write and get so in some cases it's you know it's information books on on how you do something others have talked about I have some students that have published children's books and fiction and you name it um what would be the advice and what is the advice that you have given um your students around I know you just said you know kind of getting started is 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 tough um, but what what advice would you give uh, someone who first time writer they have I, I, kind of an idea of where they want to go and but just to break that ice of getting started what advice do you have? Rewriting, um, I would say just sit, um, put aside maybe twenty minutes or or, or a, a very unintimidating <laughs> period of time where you sit down and you write freely and openly like nobody's going to read it and um and some of us are perfectionists right and we we think oh it has to be perfect and that could be sort of like what the the enemy of the good or whatever <laughs> like you just um you don't get to it and that leads to procrastination um i you know there's the, the julia cameron i think the the writer is who had a book called The Artist's Way. And um, she suggested these morning pages where you just first thing in the morning when you wake up, you start doing this free writing or whenever you can. I think um, to reclaim, I, I my advice would be, um, especially if you feel like you're having difficulty to go back and reclaim that space when writing was fun, when writing was free, when writing was yours, you know, yeah. um, and and that that's harder to 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 work with when people, you know, when there's expectations now, right? Yeah. When there are folks waiting to see what you're gonna say, is it the same mm-hmm. as before? Is it different mm-hmm. than before? Mm-hmm. But um, but there's so much value in going back to that place where you feel like this is my this is my free space. This is where I'm, um, this is where I express myself. This is a kind of healing space. Um, I think that's, that's, or even playful space, right? Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that sense of going back to this first love, yeah. you know, I think to try to get that joy back, I, I, 
I think how it helps a lot. And of course, to read, because when we read, as I said, you know, we, going back to the beginning, when we read, we can see other models of what we want to do. Mm -hmm. So read similar things to what you want to do. And then just make the time like um, discipline. People, like mm -hmm. I mentioned, people don't talk enough about discipline, like saying, this is the time I've set aside for this mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do it like I would going to the gym or something. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I know we're out of time now, but I this has really added to me today. And I'm sure a number of people um, who are kind of eavesdropping in on this conversation uh, will be inspired. Uh, and um, the, the books that you have written, a number of them that are award-winning books have been listed um, on our site. Uh, for people to to um, be made aware of. Um, and so I'm wishing you the best and um, you're in your classes and and you have a an upcoming book. You want to talk a little bit just briefly to say what this um, upcoming book is and then tell us where people who are just now being introduced to you might find your work um, and and um, social media handles, email addresses, anything you have um, where they can they can find you. Well, I want to thank you for for having me. You reached out and, um, right after this. You know, there was mentioned that I was here at Columbia. I, I appreciate yeah. it. So my book is um, it's a book of essays coming out in the fall. It's called We're Alone from Grey Wolf Press. Um, the, the, my website is edwishdantica.com and there are links to, um, older articles there, uh, there for folks who might want to read my articles and also a list of my books. So, um, you can just go to edwishdantica.com for that. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you again. And until I see you on campus, go well, stay well. Thank you. Likewise. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.